Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hey, how are you all doing? It's, it finally happened. I hit puberty. My voice got lower. Um, no, I, something's going on. My voice is leaving. Hopefully it lasts through this. If not, you can just make up the rest of it, whatever I leave out. Hey, if you haven't been here before, I'm glad you're here. My name's Ryan. I'm the pastor here at Vineyard Westside. Um, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I paid her. Uh, I'm glad that you're here because this place is great. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, sometimes you, you have certain things where you're, just, you're not confident about them, and so it's hard to say that something is great or it's nice. I'm glad you're here because this place is great. Um, and there's, there's just incredible people here. There's, there's potential best friends in this room <laughs> um, who don't know that they're best friends yet. There are incredible things that are happening right now and that have been happening and that will happen that, that God has been putting together and it's just fun to watch. Um, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward and give an offering together. Uh, if you haven't been a part of that before, it's basically those of us who have decided that we want to partner with God, we want to partner with Vineyard Westside to reach people for the kingdom of God. Um, because a, a lot of the things that, that drive people entering the kingdom of God have to do with money. Um, we're not big about money here. If you've been here for any period of time, you know that we're not a, uh, uh, we're not a money-grabbing church, usually, but we're going to start this week. No. <laughs> but... Money is the ammunition for the war that's going on, the war between good and evil. And money is the ammunition that we're able to use to reach people for Jesus. Uh, money is the reason why I ended up in the church and why I ended up volunteering, why I ended up serving and leading, and why I ended up becoming a pastor is because money went to an outreach that bought packs of gum. Packs of gum, I got a pack of gum when I was walking across a bridge for the WEBN fireworks, a pack of gum that had a sticker on it that said, God loves you, no strings attached, and it had information about the Vineyard Church on it. That pack of gum is why I'm getting to talk today. And that pack of gum cost 35 cents. And it's, money is the ammunition that we use for the kingdom of God. And so we're, we're taking this time, this is our time of joining together and saying we partner with you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you for, thank you for that guy that handed me that pack of gum that just changed everything. Thank you that um, no matter what I do, I cannot outgive you that whenever I think it's a stretch or it's hard or I'm, I'm trying to be generous but I want to be stingy in my heart, that when I give myself over to you and I become free and I open my hands up, that you, just, you, you don't just bless that other person or those people or whatever the money's going to, you bless me, you give me favor, you give me an opportunity to see your glory happen. And you take care of me. God, thank you for the way that you do things. We give you this offering. We just pray it would be something that you use um, in whatever you want, whatever way you want. Spend it like loose change in your pocket. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, they're going to pass those things along. Also, this is, you know, this is for really cash or checks. If you're a new school type human... Um, and you, oh, okay. She, she's good. She does that all the time. 
Are you okay? Yeah. All right. We love you. Good. Was that falling out in the spirit? Did that just happen? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So, where, where, where were we? Okay. <laughs> Announcement. I got an, uh, one of the, the, the big thing that we're really trying to promote and get more people interested in because it's an important, important thing. It's in your program. There is a weekend to remember marriage conference that is coming up. If you are a married couple, um, this is happening on the 17th of February to the 19th. It's going to be happening at the Hyatt Regency. Um, it's basically a thing where you would go and get a, a hotel usually and stay there for the conference for a couple days. There's more information in the program about that. Um, we're past the point of the early registration where it's the cheapest price, but we do still have um, two vouchers for people to get in at that lower price of uh, $175 a couple, I believe it is. Um, this is something that many, 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 many wives want to go to and almost no husbands want to. Um, husbands, step up and lead your family. Step up and lead your family. Uh, if you're the guy who is saying, I think everything's pretty good, probably isn't. Like, you'll know. If she wants to go, if she wants to go, you ought to go. Uh, also, Anybody, ladies, men, mostly ladies, go by yourself. Go by yourself if he won't go. Go by yourself. Really. If he won't go, go by yourself. And then you're able to work from that place and see what you can do from there. Um, this isn't just for people in crisis. It's for people who want to strengthen their marriage. Be really good if you're newly married, married in the last couple years, uh, there's tons of information about it. Rick and Melissa are going to be out in the lobby after the service to give any kind of information that you would like. If you have any questions about what it is or, like, is, am I signing up for a cult? Is there going to be Kool-Aid? They'll answer all of it. And um, they've been through it multiple times, and they can't recommend it enough, and I can't re recommend um, them enough. Let's jump into some things. Today we're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about identity, which is, I think, a thing that I, I talk about a lot because I think it is ridiculously important. Identity, about who, who you are. Uh, today's message is going to be titled, Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are? Have you ever been asked that? Who do you think you are? Who do you think? Who do you think you are? Well, who do you? Who do you think you are? Um, identity stuff is all about, um, you know, not just, not just the, I don't know, I live at this address and, and uh, I, I went to this school. Your identity is who you are as a person, who, who you operate from, like how you operate from. A place because if you're living under the wrong identity then everything that you're doing is going to be skewed it's going to be coming from a strange place um, in Genesis chapter 3 it says this that now the serpent was more crafty the serpent was Satan he, he takes the form of a snake that's why we don't like snakes typically now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, which also kind of a red flag, you're talking to a, a snake. 
The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4 says, you will not certainly die. You will not certainly die. The serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, then your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the tree that is, that, yes, when you eat of it, you are supposed to have your eyes opened in a certain way. When you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. But God said to Adam and Eve, don't, don't eat from that one. You can have all of this, the Garden of Eden, everything. You can have everything in it. And it's like this giant test. There's only one thing I don't want you to do. There's only one rule. Don't eat from that one. Don't eat from that one. And a serpent comes along and he starts twisting the words of God around about what God really said and what he didn't say. The serpent changes Adam and Eve's perception of God's identity. Because at that point, they were created, they show up, they're like, this place is amazing, we're, they're in Eden. And God is their father, and he is the ultimate truth, and he's the provider of everything, and he is good. Do you, sidebar, do you believe that God is good? Yes. So the ones of you that just said it do. <laughs> um, a lot of people I meet do not believe that God is good. When you do not believe that God is good, that is a piece of your identity. And you're going to approach everything in your life from a place believing, knowing in your being that God is not good. And so he is not trustworthy. He is not... Um, there for your benefit. He is not there to help you. He is not there. It's a complete identity change situation. If you're a person who doesn't believe that God is good, it, it's difficult for me to convince you of that. Um, all I can tell you is that I was... I was desperate, and I was looking for a, I was looking for a quarter, and I found a $1,000 bill. I was looking for anything to help me and save me and make my life worth, worthwhile, and, and I was not expecting much. I was looking for a quarter, and I found a $1,000 bill, and, uh, and he's just, he's good. And if you know me, if you're friends with me, if we have had lunch together, if you've come to my house, you know I'm not a faker. And I'm saying right now that God is good. That he's good. He's good. He's good all the time. Amen. In this story, the serpent comes along and he starts to mess with God's identity to Adam and Eve. He's, God's identity was truth. But now, well, maybe he's a liar. Maybe he's a liar. I don't, I'm not sure. Well, did he say that? Is that how he said it? Did he say we couldn't eat from any tree? Was it just that tree? What, now, all of a sudden, confusion is coming in. A lot of us are reaching for God, but we're not actually touching God in any way. Um, a lot of you in this room, even, you're, and, and I get to this place often as well, that I want to reach God, I want, I want him to reach me, I want to make a connection with God, and it's just not happening. And sometimes that not happening is because we've maybe started to define God differently than the truth of who he really is. Like where we, we think, some of you, you might not believe that God is good because you believe that He's waiting with a lightning bolt to throw it at you when you mess up. You might not believe that God is good because, because your mom or your dad died way before they were supposed to. 
And so you go, you might believe that God isn't good because this marriage that was supposed to be great, it fell apart and it happened like overnight and, and all of a sudden it's gone and it has just been a disaster since then and how can God be good? You might not believe that God is good because of something that, that happened and maybe whispers of people, maybe whispers of the enemy that came in and started to challenge who he really is. A lot of us give God credit for a bunch of stuff he didn't do. If you're willing to hold God accountable for stuff that you think he's to blame for, you need to be willing to give God credit for the good. Um, you can't just pick one. You can't pick one and say, he, he's the one that did this, but not praise him and thank him for when he does beautiful things in your life. A lot of times the world will try to replace your identity with something else, just like that serpent in the garden. And there's, there's major power in knowing your identity. Um, when we pray together, what do we say at the end always? In Jesus' name, amen. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, because there's an identity attached to it. We don't ever say in Moses' name, amen. And no, we pray in the name of the Savior, in Jesus' name, amen, because this carries authority, it carries power, it has something with it. This is the thing that suddenly, it's not just our words anymore, we're saying these things under the authority of Jesus, under his identity, not my identity, not what I've had going on this week. His identity, I pray these things in Jesus' name. John chapter 14 it says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Your name is important. The name of Jesus is important. Your name is important too. Your name, your name name. That's the first thing that you get for your identity. So yeah, you're born and you know, you're a boy, you're a girl, you were 21 inches long, you were seven pounds, six ounces, you were, those are some pieces, your core identity, our name is our core identity, it's our first identity. That identity can change over time, sometimes you get a nickname that becomes more of your identity than your real name, sometimes, you know, a, a, a lot of you, you have a a first name that nobody even knows. William. My wife uh, has a nickname. I gave it to her about 15 years ago. It still holds strong. My wife's nickname is the crime dog. Uh, she will solve any case, no matter how small. Did you feed the dogs today? Yeah, I think so. It's like, well... See, I checked the tapes, and uh, I'm like, well, why'd you ask? She'll just get to the bottom of anything, but it's not just that. It's, and, and she is one of the greatest helpers ever with, you guys will send stuff in, an email or something, a request, and I'm like, I don't know who that person is. And she's like, I'm on it. Like, she either always knows immediately, or she can find this person, and she's like, give me a Google Earth, like, here's the, they're walking down this sidewalk. <laughs> she's, the, she's the crime dog. Now, that, that's her nickname, but my wife, Allison, her name means truthful. It means truthful. Um, that's strange for a liar like me. Um, I had to work on and continue to work on my knee-jerk reaction is to lie about things still, like to get myself out of trouble in different ways. She does not play that game. That isn't ever her. I don't ever have to wonder, uh, is she being honest with me? It's never that. A friend of mine named Holly always we always joke because she looked it up and said, 
My name means tree or bush. <laughs> Maybe you hear the Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue. That a dad who is abandoning his son named him Sue so that on purpose he would get in fights with people and become tough and become tough enough to face the world without a father. A boy named Sue. It's an identity piece. Abram, in the Old Testament, Abram's name means a great nation. Many things transpire between God and Abram, many different promises, many different incredible acts of faith, and God goes to Abram and he says, you know what, Abram, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham because you were a great nation, but now I am making you into a multitude of nations. He said that your descendants are going to be more than the stars in the sky, more than the grains of sand in the desert, that this is how many people are going to come from you. You are Abraham now, not Abram anymore. It was a promise from God because Abram was old. His wife was old. They believed they weren't ever going to have kids. They believed that they were going to be the last of a line of this family. And he said, no, don't retire, refire, buddy. You're going to have descendants like you can't believe, Abraham. Jacob, in the Old Testament, Jacob, his name means heel grabber. It means trickster. It means someone who's a prankster, someone who um, does things in a sneaky way because Jacob was a twin and he grabbed his brother's foot to try to get out first. Jacob had this piece of identity on him for a long time. Jacob goes through a process where he has to wrestle with God, not just in the, not just in the you know, metaphorical sense. He has to wrestle with God, like Greco-Roman. He wrestles with God. It says that his hip is injured. He wrenches his hip in some way. That The two of them struggle throughout the night, and it was something that had to happen because it was an identity piece that was being built. And he said, you're not Jacob anymore. Your name is Israel. Your name is Israel. It's Israel. That name means wrestles with God. And it means held his own. How many of you have nicknames from your family? Maybe your parents gave you or somebody you have a nickname. Anybody have a good nickname? Can you tell me? I would like to know it. What is that? Turkey? All right. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, Bill. Star Wars? There you go. I'm learning things. Who else? Gamey Amy, I'm sorry. Yep, that's true. Gamey Amy, that sounds like one of mine. Mary. Bitsy? I like it. Shanda Shadapoopy? Shagapoopy, right, okay. Makes sense, yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Shagapoopsie? Um, I, one of the nicknames I was given when I was growing up that I hated was Crying Ryan. <laughs> this was not cool. And when somebody would say it, I seethed with anger. And then I would go off and cry. I don't know why, but I cannot help myself from giving nicknames to people. Um, Denise back there, D. Money Horgan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just, I, I don't know, I just can't not think about certain ones. And my kids get weird nicknames. They have about 12 nicknames each. Uh, my daughter Ava is Ava Beans. Mm hmm. 
It fits. Everybody knows it. And also, she's like Beans forever. Um, now, you know why? I think because her nickname was Ava Beans. You know how many kids like Beans? Not a lot. All of my kids like Beans. You know why? Maybe something to do with a nickname, Ava Beans. Maybe something to do with an identity thing. Um, my son, Finn, he is Finny Bins. Uh, Finny Bins, I don't know, but it gives him strength. Uh, and that's what it was meant to do. And I don't know why it was, but it was. And he, since the time he was little, he would run around saying, I'm the Finny Bins, all right? <laughs> I remember he was jumping on a trampoline. He was going crazy laughing. And he's like, ah, I'm the Finny Bins. Ah. You're daggone right. My daughter, Claire, is Clarbina Philomena. Clarbina Philomena. Um, and, it's just, and she loves it. She tells her friend, this is my nickname. Because for some reason, it, it's a confidence-bringing thing for her. Now, there are other nicknames you can give people, of course. Gamey Amy. <laughs> there are other nicknames. And I, honestly, I've had to try to do that. Because like, my nephew's name... Uh, I'm like always, always trying to go, hmm, I can't say that. His name is Elliot. What do you think I'm going to nickname him? Smelly it, of course. <laughs> and I had to stop saying smelly it because I don't, I don't want that on him. I don't want that becoming a piece of his identity. John chapter 1, it says, he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. This is when Peter is given his new name by Jesus. That Jesus recognizes something in Simon and says, You know what? That old name is not going to work anymore because that only has a certain chunk of identity to it that's not the whole thing. You are now Peter. He changes his name. Jesus gives him a nickname. And he does it based on not just his physical appearance because I guess Peter was swole. Like this dude was, they say by his appearance, he was like a rock. Like this dude was muscly. He was big. And so not only was it based on his looks, but it had to do with spiritually him becoming imposing. That he wasn't just physically imposing, he would be spiritually imposing. And that's a call for all of us to be spiritually imposing. Um, that we all want to be getting to that place where we're not afraid of the dark, the dark is afraid of us. Um, that if, if you've ever been in that place where you were weirded out, you ever been in that place where you're going out to your car late at night and you're, and you're not worried about somebody coming and attacking you, you're getting that, we, like, something, something's going to get me. Well, what if the dark was afraid of you and you weren't afraid of the dark anymore? Because that's who, we're, that's who we are. Our authority in Christ is that those things, any of those things, demons, powers of darkness, things that a lot of you don't want to talk about because they weird you out. Well, don't worry about it. You've been given the authority of Jesus. The blood of Christ has given you power over those things. Those things have to listen to you. They have to listen to you. And so you don't say, ah, don't, don't. You say, Leave me alone in the name of Jesus. And they have to obey. You are not welcome here in the name of Jesus. You're going up to an attic that's dark and it's creeping you out in some way. As you're heading up there, you say, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And it has to go. It's not going to go, oh, make me. Mm -mm. Read the Bible about how afraid these spirits are of Jesus. Jesus loves nicknames. 
He gives them to multiple people. He called James and John, whose dad had this fishing business. He called them the sons of thunder because they were super driven guys who had this fire in their belly for the kingdom. And he said, you are the sons of thunder. You know what happened? They carried that identity with them. Like, you know who we are? Man, we're the sons of thunder. We're not smelly it. Another place in the Bible, it calls a guy James the Less. James the Less. And which can sound kind of bad, but it wasn't because he was less important, it was because he was short. <laughs> it was because he was short. But then Jesus brings this thing around where he says, yeah, you know what is another really cool thing that, um, that um, one of the things you're trying to do is you must become less so that I can become greater. Said that the only way for this to work is that I would become greater and you would become less. You know who's already less? James the Less. You've been given a name, and your name can help make you brave or it can help stifle you from being brave. Um, the first thing, if you're a note taker, I just have a couple notes to write down. Your identity drives your productivity. Your identity drives your productivity. And I just mean, your, your identity fuels what you get done. Your identity is what gives you a passion. It's what gets you out of bed. It's what gets you moving. Your identity is the thing that motivates you. Because you say, this, I'm not a couch potato. My identity is not couch potato. My identity is slayer of things. My identity is artist. My identity is builder. My identity is grower. My identity is like small group leader, teacher, boss, sister, friend. My identity is this. It gets you. Your identity drives your productivity. I've said it uh, multiple times. I don't know if she's here today. One of my good friends, Lelena. Lelena Tucker. Um, she's just, she drives me, she drives me to be a strong believer. Uh, I've been in a couple different countries with her. Um, we, we've gone to some crazy places all over. We've hiked through jungle, rainforest areas together. And we said, you know who you are? Because she was leading, and she was leading men. And she was leading men beautifully. We say, you know, you're a warrior princess. You are a warrior princess. You are better than Xena. You're a warrior princess. And, the, and she grabbed onto it. She's like, you're dang right I am. <laughs> and it just grew and grew. And, she, and she's held onto it for years. And she's like, I'm a warrior princess. And she showed me a picture of her refrigerator one time that had a... a something we wrote on it about her being the warrior princess and that she sees it every day. That it's an identity reminder. Some of you are living under a false identity. Many false identities a lot of times that, that could be just so wrong and they could be steering you in a wildly terrible direction. Uh, a false identity I was living under for the longest time was that if I wasn't busy all the time and not having any fun, then God wasn't happy with me. And so anybody that would come along, hey, how's it going? Oh, just busy. <sighs> Got to look busy. Got to pretend to be busy or be busy. One of them. Got to be because I was a piece of my identity that was wrong, that he wasn't going to be pleased with me. And I've eventually got my new identity from God that he said no you are my son and with you I'm well pleased and then as I read more in the Bible I realized that God never ever 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 exalts busyness he never is like good job with that busyness it's more about you need to slow down and listen for my voice. You need to 
Be strong and courageous and calm. You don't need to be busy. God doesn't want me to be busy. He wants me to be fruitful. We're running short on time, so I'll go through this quickly. There's a, a book a guy wrote. His name was Paul Grisham, uh, or Paul Graham, sorry. Uh, he, he wrote this paragraph. <laughs> Great cities attract ambitious people. You can sense it when you walk around one. In a hundred subtle ways, the city sends you a message. You could do more, or you should try harder. The surprising thing is how different these messages can be. New York tells you that above all, you should make more money. There are other messages too, of course, that you should be hipper, you should be better looking, but the clearest message is that you should be richer. That's the, that's the, that is the identity that is being laid over New York. Other areas have these two. LA, Los Angeles, be famous. Be famous. If you go to any restaurant in LA now, it is filled with, not celebrities, TikTok stars. <laughs> celebrities don't want to go there anymore because it's all TikTok stars. If you go to Washington, D.C., uh, it is, you need to know important people to get to other important places. So network with important people. If you're in Oxford, you should be smarter. If you are in Silicon Valley, you need to impact the world through technology. Invent the next mega million dollar app. If you're in Pittsburgh, you know, we hate Pittsburgh, right? <laughs> you know what Pittsburgh is known for? Hard work. Hard work. That is their trait. Hard work. Portland. Weird. The whole, the, whole, the whole city motto is keep Portland weird. And it is. <laughs> Cincinnati has all sorts of different things. And I bet if I asked all of you, you would say that our identity here in Cincinnati is a certain different thing. We're, we're well known for pork. Chili. We are well known for those things. Um, but on the map, one of the things that has been, if people were thinking about moving to Cincinnati, Ohio, one of the things that is listed for us at least several years ago was that we were one of the most traditional and conservative cities in the country. One of the most traditional and conservative cities in the country. And there's really, really good things with that, and there's bad things with that. Um, that Cincinnati's identity is traditional conservative, and some aspects are good, and you know, the thing that I think about is that um, what they said is this is a safe, this is a safe place. Some of you would say, well, have you been to, I keep arguing with people, if you think like over the Rhine isn't safe, go to over the Rhine. <laughs> it's um, less safe in our parking lot. <laughs> Over the Rhine, is so, it's just, it's, not, it, it's very safe here. And so there's one way to look at it that it's safe, but also that safe isn't really the identity of God. That if, if you've ever read any of the Narnia series, the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan the Lion, one of the key main characters of the whole thing, um, one of my favorite lines of all, when they're trying to describe him and what his identity is, because they said, he doesn't seem very safe. They said, he isn't safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. My hope would be for us that we would become dangerous for the kingdom of God. That we're not safe people, that, um, that hell would run. Matthew chapter 16 it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus wants to know 
with his disciples. What is your take on my identity? Um, who, who do you think I am? Have you ever found out somebody's identity was wildly different than you imagined, that maybe they were in plain clothes and then you found out they were the sheriff? <laughs> You're like, oh, oh. I found that out with my girlfriend and found out her dad was a judge. Identity shifted quickly. Sorry, I'm going to try and wrap up here. The, the, one of the big things is that uh, Jesus gives Simon a new name with his new identity. So he says, you're not known as Simon anymore. You are now Peter. And you are going to be the rock with which I build my church. Um, you are going to be physically imposing and spiritually imposing. Um, that's who you are now. The weird thing about it is that once this name change takes place, because really it's a, it's a nickname. Um, his name didn't change on a birth certificate. His driver's license didn't change. Um, the weird thing is that... Uh, Simon didn't become Peter forever. Certain things would come along and Jesus would call him Simon again. He would call him Simon again. And that's a, that's a strange thing, but it's a true thing, that once God gives you a new name, that old name or that old identity isn't just gone forever. That old name is still relevant. It's something that we have to fight against. We have to fight against it all the time. That your actual name might be something that's, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe something that you've hated forever. Um, for one thing, change it. If you don't like your name, change it. Um, start a new one. It's not actually that hard to get people to start calling you something else. But the biggest thing is to, to figure out what, what is God wanting to tell me about who I am? It may have nothing to do with a name. What is it God's trying to tell me about who I am? And do I have to fight against it? And sometimes I accidentally get caught up being that old me again. He changed this about me and I'm stepping into it and that's who I am now. But sometimes I fall back into my old ways and he says, man, there's still a little bit of Simon in you, Peter. <laughs> and that's, that's not who you are anymore. Um, I wrote um, a 10-pound message for a 5-pound bag. <laughs> we have to fast forward and we'll do some of this later. Here's um, the thing that I would focus on today is uh, that your identity will lead to bravery. Your identity will lead to bravery. Um, we're called to be meek in certain ways, um, but uh, meekness comes from strength. <laughs> um, you're only able to be meek when you know you can throw down. Does that make sense? It's a choice. It's not a, I'm stuck here. Uh, your identity will lead to bravery. I know a lot of people who have the identity that they don't want to admit they have it, but they have the identity of abandoned or orphaned. That it's a part of their identity. Um... The word says that you're not. The Bible says that you're not. It says that you'll never be left. You'll never be forsaken. That, um, that it, he's not going anywhere. That you're no longer an orphan. That you have been adopted. You've been given a certificate of adoption from the king of kings, the best father there ever was, and he calls you son or daughter. He calls you son or daughter. And that... As that son or daughter, you are entitled, you're entitled 
to an inheritance, an inheritance that's royalty, that the jewels are yours. Yeah, I know. It is true. Um, but when you're living from that place, it, it allows you to be brave. Here's what I would like to do to, try to just wrap up today. Sorry, I had too many things. I'll get good at this at some point. <laughs> if you're somebody who grew up, maybe, maybe you are a person who feels like you are, um, you've been wronged again and again. Uh, that maybe you are a, a victim. Maybe you feel like a victim. Um, what I want you to know is that God gives door prizes to those of us who have been harmed. He gives us door prizes. I was harmed in a bunch of different ways. He gave me wisdom and discernment. Um, and so I'm able to read a room. And I'm able to know if somebody comes in and they're shady in any kind of way. I know. I know when somebody's lying. I know when somebody's, I know when I can buy something from somebody or not. I, know, I just know. And it's a thing that he gave me. He gives those things out to all of us who have been harmed in any way. And it's a way for us to transition from that old identity into this new, you know what, I got, I got this ability. Man, you know what I can do? You know what you can do? Now some of you have identities on you that are things like loser. Maybe it's the thing that you you kind of curse at yourself under your breath when nobody else is around. Maybe it's the thing that you say when you're looking in the mirror. Maybe it's something like fat, just fat, always fat. The identity could be um, best friend, but it's bad. It's that I don't want to be the best friend anymore. I was looking for, so I don't want to be in the friend zone. I want something else. Maybe your identity is alone, forever alone, always alone. Maybe your identity is the funny guy. That's, that's all you really are. You, but I have more to offer. Maybe your identity is always disappointed, always unhappy. Maybe your identity is unwanted, <clears throat> abandoned, any of those kind of things. Is that a piece of your identity? We're going to pray and just invite God to give us new ones. What he's done for me um, multiple times over the years is he's given me new pieces and I could be making them up in my head, but you know what? Usually I make up really, 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 really bad stuff about myself. Um, and so we're going to pray that whatever your thing is, uh, I, if you have something or multiple things that you could visualize them, that you would be able to switch them with something, that he would have something else for you, and that you would remember in that process that he is good that he's good all the time, and that he's a good father who gives good gifts to his children, that he doesn't give them a snake or a stone. And so, Lord, we just pray right now. I pray for brothers and sisters in this room. I know so many of these stories where, where things just went bad, where it would be understandable to have identities that are hard, to live with, or those identities that are not true, those things about us that we've grabbed onto, that we've latched onto, that we've, we've operated from, that we've always had that filter on with everything that we look at, that it always is filtered through the, through the loser identity, that it's always filtered through the alone identity, that it's always filtered through the can't trust people Identity, God, we pray that any of those identities that are not from you, that you would switch it, just like you did with, with Simon. 
that you gave him a new name, just like you did with Jacob. You gave him a new name, just like you did with Abram. You gave him a new name. We pray that you would give us a new name. Just pray that you would give us a new truth. A new truth and that we would believe it. That we would believe it. Pray that some of you in this room right now would believe that you are adopted by the Father. Pray right now that some of you would believe with your whole self, your whole heart, your whole mind, soul, everything. You would believe that you are forgiven. You're forgiven. If you've been holding yourself in unforgiveness... You're the only one doing that. He says you're forgiven. And you are. And that for some of you, you would take on the identity of approved of. That I am worthy. I am good. I am valuable. I am worthwhile. For some of you, that you would take on the identity of loved that you're loved it says he knit you together that he knows your inmost being that the number of hairs on your head were determined by him that he's been chasing after you your whole life because you were worth it that he gave his son he decided that you are so lovable that he gave his son to die on a cross so that he could have you. And that there's nothing you could ever do to make him love you less. There's nothing you could ever do that he loves you completely and fully, 100%. That, well, if I messed up, no, he loves you all the way. Just like I love my son, I love my daughters all the way. If they mess up, I love them all the way. That you are lovable and you are loved. Lord, I just pray that you would fill in the blanks. Anybody who has an identity that is that's just not of you, that they would be able to reject it. They would be able to look at it, grab a hold of it, look at it on all sides and say, this isn't true. And that you would replace it with the truth. Thank you, Lord, for what you do. Thank you for the way you nickname people. We pray you give some more of them out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, hey, Lord, be with, be with Joey B. Oh. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.